Good morning. My name is Allie, and I'm one of the ministers here at Calvary. We're happy that you've joined us this morning, and I'm so glad we have the opportunity to worship together. If you are a guest this morning, we want you to know that you are welcome in this place and that we are so happy you're here. Um, and we'd love the chance to just follow up with you and get to know you or be with you in prayer. And the best way for that to happen is if you fill out this visitor card. It's located in the pews. And if you could just drop that into the offering plate later in the service, we will be sure and get in touch with you. It is still the season of Easter, and we are celebrating Jesus' resurrection and Christ's new life that is shared with us all. Yesterday, um, one of my best friends, her name is Sarah, she got married in Waco, and I was in their wedding. As I reflected over the past week and maybe a couple months on their upcoming nuptials, I was spurred on to kind of remember all the ways that our friendship has grown. So I remembered when we first met, when we became roommates, when she graduated from Truett, and now I'm looking forward to what seems like a whole new journey with her. Um, she is moving to San Antonio next week, so our friendship will change, but that's just kind of how this journey of life goes sometimes. If you would have told me four years ago that I would become almost best friends with the girl in my Baptist identity class who was wearing a cat t-shirt and leopard print leggings, I would ask how that is possible. But now as I reflect on who she is to me and I think about all the ways that she has been active in my life, I wonder how I could have journeyed without her. So today let us join in a time of worship where we are fully engaged. Maybe, may we be aware of our surroundings so we can honor and accept the journey we are on. Let us accept the clear. Let us accept the serendipitous. Let us accept God's call and hand in our lives. Let's worship together. I invite all of the children to join me in the front. Good morning. It is good to see you this morning. Today, we are going to have some fun and we are going to move around the sanctuary during our children's message and throughout worship in order to take on different views and different perspectives of worship and of God. So let's move. I invite you to stand up and let's walk to the back of the sanctuary. Okay, friends, let's look at what we can see from back here. What do you see? What do you see? We see the back of people's heads. We see the glass way up there. We see our friends walking in. Lots of the back of pews. Mm-hmm. What else do you see? Yes. Uh, the Congress worshiping God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. We see the piano way up there. Great. Let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. Okay, and we're going to stop right here. What can you see from here? What can you see? We see people up close. I see sides of pews. Mm hmm The sides of the pews. The back of the chair. I mm -hmm. see my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Look up. What can you see above you? Lights. Ceilings. And the chandeliers are up there. Mm hmm And we can see the windows from here, too, up close. Great. So we have moved around the room some, and we have seen different things from different places. So today in worship, all of us together as a congregation will be moving to different pews in order to experience different ways of worship and of God in different places. So don't get too comfortable where you are sitting today. 
and be ready to move when we sing, I want Jesus to walk with me throughout the service. I encourage you to get out of your comfort zones and to try a new place and to sit in a new pew and to sit by someone that you do not know very well. And if you're unable to physically move, we invite you to imagine that you are in a different place and experiencing God from a different perspective. And children, I want you to really lead out in this and encourage the rest of the congregation to move also. Okay? Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for the ability to know and to see you in different ways. Give us eyes to see you and hearts to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. season of Easter, we thank you for your undying love for us, for your grace and forgiveness, and for the joy of Easter morning, which we celebrate every Sunday. We pray that in your presence, you would bring excitement, enthusiasm, and energy into this church, and that together we will seek your direction on the next leg of our journey together. May we be an encouraging and supporting people, a loving family to each other, Father God, as we as a church seek your direction and will over the coming months, we pray that we would hear your voice clearly, that your will would be well known to us, and that we would see where you are working, what you are doing, and how we can get involved. As we journey together, Christ, we ask that our hearts would burn with passion and delight with your presence in life, that as you rose from the dead into new life, we also would be filled with new life, hope, and the joy of our salvation and Holy Spirit be present within us and among us. May you comfort and inspire us, and may we be filled with you. Move in this congregation this morning as we worship. Please pray with me as our Savior has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe that the, the prophets had declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near to the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay, Stay with, with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road? While he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God.
There's a peace I've come to know, though my heart and flesh may fail. There's an anchor for my soul, I can say it is well. Jesus has overcome, and the grave is overwhelmed. The victory is won, He is risen from the continue to dream and pray about a revival of holiness in our day that moves us in mission and creates authentic community in which each person can be unleashed through the empowerment of the Spirit to fulfill God's creational intentions. Author unknown. The walk to Emmaus is a three-day spiritual retreat designed to elicit a revival of holiness in each person who attends. It is designed to deepen faith in a way that results in leadership and action in the local church. It is a cloistered environment in which we set ourselves apart from the world and its cares for 72 hours in order to wholly focus on God and be spiritually renewed. Many participants, or pilgrims as they are known, arrive like our two biblical characters, walking down an unknown road and not knowing quite what to expect. But like those two headed to Emmaus, 
By the end of the walk, our pilgrims look at each other and ask, were not our hearts burning within us in the presence of the living Savior? I often serve as a ministerial team member, which means I present one of the five talks on grace. For isn't that the great celebration of our salvation, the matchless grace of God? In this short course on how to live out the Christian life, we also cover other topics, setting priorities, perseverance, and the Christian disciplines. We listen, we study, we sing, we laugh, and we worship. And then we leave to become the hands and feet of Christ where we live. A few years ago, I was serving on a chrysalis. That's the teenage version of the walk. There was a really cute, petite young woman whom I noticed. During the weekend, I felt led to pray for her. I wasn't sure if she was at all into what we were doing or getting it. She had arrived with attitude and other indicators of a rebellious spirit. While others were engaged in the conversations, she seemed to maintain a distance. When she did speak, her questions and comments gave away her lack of a real walk with God. I had concerns. But imagine my joy the following year when I returned for the next Christmas to find the same young woman. She had allowed God to completely turn her life around. The rebellious young woman was gone. A new person glowed with joy and was there to serve on the team. What a powerful testimony she was able to share with the new participants. That is why I serve. About a year and a half ago, we took my mom on the walk. At 88, she was easily the oldest person there. <laughs> so mom, tell us about your experiences on your own walk. My walk to Emmaus was December of 2015 in Uvalde, Texas at Alto Frio. I came with expectations of renewal and drawing closer to God. Sometimes we begin to drift away from God. And to me, this was a time to get my battery recharged and to be more alive of Christ in my Christian walk. The speakers of each of the sessions spoke of different aspects of grace and drew us closer to Christ. I came away from the walk with a deeper love for Christ and a commitment to serving him in whatever capacity he called me to do. To study his word more, to spend more time in prayer, being concerned to the needs that I see around about me and responding to those needs as best I could. As I was thinking about this, a song that I used to sing long, long ago kept running through my mind. It's grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, Grace that is greater than all our sin.
experience to your care. In the name of Jesus, amen. We've come today to a travel narrative, the first, the first depiction in the Gospel of Luke of a resurrection appearance. We should not be surprised, I suppose, that it is a narrative. After all, it's in this gospel that the narrative movement from Galilean ministry after the confession of Simon Peter to Jerusalem has been highlighted in a greater way than any other gospel. And in narratives, there's movement. Uh, of course, there's geographical movement, but there's also movement that involves the characters, the people within the narrative. I mean, after all, in, in this particular narrative, Jesus enters the narrative as the unrecognized Jesus and then moves from unrecognized Jesus to unaware pilgrim. And then the transition as Jesus begins to speak and even pick maybe with a smile on his face at these two followers, calling them slow of heart to believe and the 
unaware pilgrim becomes the interpreter of Scripture. They stop at the end of the day, and Jesus is treated as guest. Won't you come and stay with us? But as guest, he becomes host as he takes bread and he blesses and he breaks and he gives and then he is the Jesus that disappears. There's also a movement for these two Jesus followers, right? Uh, one unnamed one, the name Cleopas. The text is introduced now on that same day, the two of them, two of who? Two of the followers, possibly one of those who has been identified in the earlier paragraph as speaking of the women's testimony about an empty tomb and an encounter with, an angel, with angels that say, don't look for the living in the dead places, and they had called that idle, idle tales. Possibly these two, because you see, they had been in a community that had great hopes. They say to Jesus, we hoped that he would redeem, that he would save Israel, but he had died. Not the possibility of death, not in theory, in reality, he had died. And presumably, that community of followers had gone from hopeful to disillusioned, grief-filled, devastated community. Two of them. And those two, well, those two must have been the two that in the midst of that confusion and that devastation, those two must have been the ones that felt like they needed geographical relocation in order to process. You've been in that moment, haven't you? Where you say, I've just got to get out of here. Or you turn and say, we've got to get away from here. These two, geographical location, relocation, and on that journey, the unrecognizable Jesus comes to them and they can't see who he is, they can't make out who he is, and they are called slow of heart to believe. Later on, they will say that they have warmed hearts, but they move, don't they? They are astounded. They are confused by the woman's testimony, but they are warned by the witness of Jesus to Scripture. They offer hospitality, and in the breaking and the sharing of the bread, all of a sudden they see what they have not been able to see. And they are the ones that see, see Jesus, but they are also the ones that see him disappear. But then they do go running back to Jerusalem and they don't sound devastated they go to give witness to their experience to be among a community who has also continued in this experience warm-hearted and maybe believing. As they've made this geographical journey. The irony is that they end up back in the place that they had left. Reminds one of a tale that has been told in many ways. One way is that there was a Jewish man who lived in a village and he had become disgruntled and uh, disappointed with life and his family and life in the village, so he decided to leave and go 
to someplace bigger and brighter and look for that paradise that everyone seeks. And so one morning he got up and he left it all and he went on a journey. He walked through the day and it was a long day and a long day. And finally evening came and he was tired and he stopped at a boarding house and he got a place to sleep for the night. And before he laid his weary body down, According to the tale, he placed his, his shoes in the direction he was going so that when he woke up the next morning, he would be sure to go in the direction he had been traveling. In this version of the tale, sometime in the night when he is asleep, unknowing to him, an angel slips in and takes his shoes and turns them around 180 degrees. He woke up the next morning, rested, renewed. He slips his shoes on and he goes in the direction of his shoes. And he traveled a long day. And as he's getting to the end of it, he comes upon a village that was strangely familiar. And a community and people that were strangely familiar and a home that was strangely familiar and a wife and a children and he goes back there and invested in life once again with a different perspective because of the journey that he had gone on. So in this spirit, I ask you and invite you to join your hearts and your voices in singing again. And as you do so, you're invited to get up and relocate again and you have permission, if you wish, to go back where you started. Will you start singing again? journey of seeing and not seeing. One of the issues that comes up in this text and that I would invite you to reflect upon is that question, in some ways the unresolved question, why couldn't they recognize Jesus? One famous commentator on this text uh, has uh, what seems a quite absurd explanation. His explanation is that uh, this journey was made as the sun was setting and the glaring of the setting sun blinded them so much that they could not recognize Jesus. I'm not so sure about that one. Um, the statement about that they cannot recognize and then the statement in the 31st verse that their eyes are opened and they are able to recognize him or in a form, a passive form that suggests that they are really not in control of this recognition. I 
Is it that sometimes we do not know, we do not see that which God wants us to see because of our lack? Or is it because of in God's hiddenness, in God's working with us, that God has not allowed or has not revealed, has not brought us to us? Which one is it? Is it our lack? Yes. Is it that God works with us where we are and as we are and brings things to us in certain moments in time? Yes. So maybe it's both, right? Maybe it's our lack and God's working and God's timing and it's not an either or, but it's a both and. And in our reflection, we ought to know that our lives are impacted by both. A second reflection that I would offer for your journey today is these two go on a journey and they are certainly in the point of confusion, wonder what in the world's going on, what's happening to the point that they seem to need to get out of here. And they certainly do go through a transition and they have an encounter with the risen Christ. They recognize Him all of a sudden in uh, you know, in the breaking of bread, uh, informed by the, the interpretation of Scripture, these two things that are so important to our common experience, they return to a community that also shares those things. But you do know, don't you, that at the end, when they return to Jerusalem, they are still people who see, and they are still people who do not see. They are a part of a community that sees, and they are also a, a part of a community that does not see. They have seen more they have gone to a new place, but they do not know fully. They are, as Paul said, they know in part. If you don't see that, just go to volume two. It's called Acts and find out how much they don't see and how much they don't understand about what Jesus is doing to redeem. Because that's who we are, aren't we? But perhaps it is that we live in a world and we are on a road in which the world gives us and lets us see enough not to believe. And God keeps coming to us in Christ Jesus revealed in Scripture, encountered in the breaking of bread in worship, and keeps giving us the opportunity to see enough to believe. Because you see, that's what it was about, wasn't it? How oh, are you still slow of heart to believe? Whether you're in the moment of devastation, the aftermath of confusion, or the inspirational moment, you'll always be people who have seen and see certain things and can't see other things. And in the midst of those, in whatever moment in your journey, Dare you to believe 
And in those moments, life will give you plenty if you want to say, I do not believe. And God keeps promising presence enough for you to dare to believe. Elie Wiesel, who is famous for his reflections on the Holocaust in the book Night, went on to write uh, numerous others. And in one, The Town Beyond the Wall, he tells the story of a young Jewish man named Michael who goes on a journey. Michael is a survivor of the Holocaust, but he's lost his entire family and everything, and he is living in Paris just after World War II, but there's something eating at his soul, and so he must go on a journey. He is compelled to, and he slips behind, behind, behind the Iron Curtain to make a journey to the Hungarian town where he had lived and grown up and where he and his family had been taken into custody and his family, of course, had been killed in the Holocaust, and he goes to that, that town named the City of Lucky, and he is searching for something and a peace and an understanding and a lot of things. He's, he's struggling with those who did this to him, those that stood by. How is he to understand that? And on this journey, there finally comes a point where he is captured by the local police, and they take him and throw him into a horrific prison which is what they did by peop to people who were illegal behind the curtain who weren't supposed to be there. And so he ends up in this prison experience, wrestling with everything that has taken him on this journey. In the last section called prayer, in his cell he has the opportunity to share the cell with several people, and one particular one is named Menachem. He is a pious Jew. And Menachem, the pious Jew, and Michael, the struggling questioner, uh, angry young man, continue to get in dialogue. At one point, Menachem gives this type of witness to Michael as they're talking about the devastation, the destruction, and the destruction of their, not just their physical lives, but their minds, their emotions, everything about them. And Menachem turned to Michael and said to him, uh, Michael, every evening, I give to God my soul. And in the morning, my sanity. In the morning, He gives back my soul. And sometime in the future, He will restore our insanity. Michael looked at Menachem and says, Not me. Not me. His services are too high. I'm a poor man. I am carrying too much baggage, refusing to do so. And they continue to talk about the path of insanity that they are going down. And finally, Menachem looked at Michael and he said to him, Michael, I may be insane. If I'm not, I'm going there. We're both going there but I will give God my insanity because I would rather be with God or in God in my insanity than far from God. And on the Emmaus Road, and in a stop and a return to Jerusalem, two Jesus followers are moving to become Easter people as on their journey, like Menachem. They're saying, I'm giving it all to God. 
and you are Easter people on a journey. What about you? What will you give? I think it's time we say our prayers. Father, once again, we pray as Jesus prayed on the cross. Into your hands we commit our hearts, our minds, our eyes, our ears. These moments and this coming week to your care and to your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. And I invite you to continue to pray as you sing, Be Thou My Vision. And as is our tradition, if anyone would like to make a public response, there will be ministers in the back ready to welcome you. Will you stand? Will you sing? Will you pray? Be Thou My Vision. passionate about global missions here at Calvary. As a family, we are thankful for the work in China and in Lebanon and elsewhere in the world through Calvary friends and partners. We have enjoyed participating in the Lebanon trip, and we look forward to continue participating in these things and other things in the future. 
And this is one reason that we choose to give to Calvary. Join me in prayer. Lord, we praise you among all the nations. We extol you among all the peoples. For great is your steadfast love towards us. And your faithfulness, O Lord, endures forever. God, may these gifts and offerings we make today rebound to the praise of our Lord Jesus Christ, your love and faithfulness among all peoples. Amen. Calvary, I would like to introduce someone to you. This is Brandon Cherry. Um, you have probably seen him on the platform. He plays faithfully for us very often, and we are very grateful for that. Um, Brandon moved to Waco about a year ago, um, and he's been coming pretty regularly ever since. He's very active and part of the young adult class. Um, he is from San Antonio originally and lived in Boston for about 10 years, and then moved to Waco, and he has some family in, the, in Waco, so that's why he moved um, to this area. When I asked him something that he was passionate about, um, I, I talked to him about the whole heart singing thing, and he said, my brain doesn't really work like that. Um, <laughs> but um, he's very funny, so I encourage y'all to have a conversation with him. <laughs> Um, but he said that he just really loves to learn, and he is dedicated to lifelong learning and really doesn't want to stop learning um, ever. So very um, great thing to be passionate about. So we have something that we would like to say to you as a church family. In response to your decision, we pledge ourselves to be the family of God for you in this place. We offer you our love, our care, our kinship, and our hopes. We hope to learn from you, give to you, and receive from you by God's grace. And so Brandon will be in the Welcome Center after if you would like to greet him and welcome him officially to our church family. Um, and then we have one announcement next. Sunday, we will be having a lunch and ministry conference. Um, so it'll be taco stack up lunch. Check the announcements to see what your class or Sunday school class needs to bring. Um, and then we'll have a ministry conference. So that'll be a really important time for us as we venture into this new time of transition as a church family, which is exciting. So we're ready for the benediction. Calvary family, as you transition from the church gathered to the church scattered, receive this word of blessing. May God the Father prepare your journey. May Jesus the Son guide your footsteps. May the spirit of life strengthen your body. And may the three in one watch over you in every road that you may follow this week. Amen.
Jesus.